I think this sets a new record for the longest gap of releasing episodes, but we're back. We're breaking the the thing. And Anya's here, my wife and partner in business and everything else. She's been on other episodes, but in case you don't know, Anya B. My my once to my every right. two year cameo. Yeah, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> and also Jason Ang is back, who has been here a few times, photographer. Uh that's what, that's that's it. Photographer. Photographer. E- uh, extraordinaire. Um Artist. And we have all we've all worked together on like the same jobs in, in various ways or separately. Um, and I wanted to con- convene this podcast to talk about the ins and outs of client work. Cause it's something that never came up on this show yet, but is a pretty big aspect of working in any creative industry is like, how do you find clients? How do you keep them? And how do you keep yourself sane while you're dealing with them? Maybe we can learn something while we're doing this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm always learning something. I'm not the good one at it. Like in, in, in our situation, I'm learning from Anya all the time. She's much more organized than I am, but uh, we both have to pull our weight with it and, and get this stuff done. And it takes a while to learn. Like it's n- and everybody does it very differently. Practice makes perfect. It's true. But yeah, I mean, that's what, and that's part of why I thought it'd be good. To, at first I was like, oh, maybe Anya and I'll just talk about it. But then it's like, that's just how we do it. So it's like, yeah. well, let's bring Jason in because he probably does things differently. And we also often ask Jason for advice too. Yeah. In what we do. So uh, hopefully this will be helpful to anybody that does anything creative. It's not just um, for photography. I mean, photography and filmmaking obviously makes sense, but also designers or writers or any, any kind of like creative freelancer hopefully will uh, cover something Entrepreneurs. Of use. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and first of all, how is it different working like this as a freelancer versus in-house? Which, were you ever in-house anywhere, Jason? I didn't officially work anywhere full-time as an in-house person, but I mean, often you you end up crossing paths with or working with somebody that's in-house, that's some, the team's creative as a as a lead somehow. The, like, first of all, what even does that mean to do in-house versus freelance? Because um, a lot of, I think definitely smaller companies will always be freelance because they can't afford to keep people on staff available to shoot photos or to do, to do a lot of things, um, full time. So, uh, what I found, I I think I'm the only one of us that's done it in house at any point, but for me, it was design. I wasn't doing photography. Um, the big difference is there is, or I found is that there's a project manager. There's somebody that knows what all the upcoming projects are that can tell you what you're supposed to be doing next and is sort of directly managing the client. And they're the ones talking to you. So you're dealing with a coworker most of the time and other team members versus for us as freelancers, it's like, it's direct to the, like we're talking to the client, the person that's hiring us and that we need to keep happy. And all of that communication is done ourselves as opposed to having that sort of t- that burden taken off. So, I, I mean, I, I think when people dream about being a freelancer, it's something that they don't realize how much time they'll end up spending just managing those emails. But also just think about like in-house versus freelance too, from an employer and employee standpoint is the pay cut. For you as an employee, you're taking a big pay cut. For you as an employer, you're paying somebody a lot less if you were hiring a freelancer every week or every day or whatever, depending on what your needs are. 
So that's a big difference too, because my head is always in money. I, yeah. <laughs> I just had an interesting thought about uh, something you said, as you said, and you know, managing the client or or expectations or whatever that is. And I mean, I'm I'm more so often dealing with an agency versus somebody client direct. And so, as a freelancer, it doesn't mean that you're always working just necessarily directly with clients as well, because obviously agencies as well will reach out to different freelancers um, to get projects done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also all these different arrangements of it too. Of there's the du- we do direct. I think a little more often, but agency is super common. Especially as the jobs get bigger, it's going to be a hundred percent that there's an agency in the middle doing that project management that, that I was saying in house gets taken care of. I mean, we've done we've done a lot of agency with a client that then turns into direct to client because then once you build a relationship, the agency is oops no longer needed. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, just totally depends on the setup. But all that to say, you are, I mean, yeah, you get paid for the extra work that you are doing. Like, you, you do take on extra responsibility. You take on, I think, more more hours of um, responding to your email in the middle of the night and checking it on weekends, which when you're in-house, that's what, that's what you give up by getting paid a bit less, is like, you can take the weekend off. Like, but you don't I, need to be stressed out about it the whole time. I think also depending who you talk to, there's people who will not allow that to happen, like people that are just still freelancers, but they are only working, you know, a certain number of hours and they won't respond to emails like I'm obsessive. So I will be like that and I'll check my email in the middle of the night. But those people that will just be like, well, sorry, I was away for the weekend or I was living my right. life or I have kids or whatever. And it's, so. it seems to be very relevant with people that have families. I mean, yeah. they don't just have the option to. 715 when you when you're feeding three yeah. kids to yeah. sit down and answer a call or an managing email. expectations yeah. yeah i should acknowledge that that there is there's a thing called work-life balance that we probably treat differently than people with kids because we don't have kids yeah. but if you if you do obviously it's harder to say like oh just don't worry about work-life balance but Cause, I cause also we don't think that much but for me and for well for us for me specifically i've been trying to move towards that direction as well just be for like mental health and and you know time to spend with family or do other projects or work on personal things is like you have to you have to like allocate a certain amount of hours for work and then still have time to deal with other things it's true we do we we do need to and hopefully we'll get better at but but at the same time it's like um i think it depends what your goals are and if your goals are to like mat like really really thrive there's always um it is a trade-off. Like I think the work-life balance is deciding if you work less, if you focus less on your business, it won't be as big as if you mm-hmm. focused on it all the time. Oh, for like sure. You are, you are making an exchange. So I think when people, there isn't a balance where it's like you're getting maximum uh, uh, commercial success or, or business success or creative success and maximum personal time and, um, you know, the, the home balance. So, but you also you, get choosing, better at you're choosing it. how much you want to trade them off, but you get better with time too. Yeah, hopefully maybe you do. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, like before it's yeah, like practice yeah. makes perfect, right? You, you get better at certain things. You get better at invoicing or find more efficient ways to do it or whatever. Like Jay is probably more efficient at a lot of these things than we are because I, for example, choose to do everything in a very analog way. All right. We'll, right. we'll get to those details. Yeah. I've got a list of like, here's all the things. And to give anybody a, a preview of what we're going to talk about, like some of the stuff coming up, it's like finding clients, pre-production, um, agreements, contracts, emails, managing them, uh, meetings, delivering proofs and finals, and invoicing. That's my 
my goal for, for this conversation. This episode is brought to you by Flipboard, can help you organize news and ideas and inspiration about whatever topics you are interested in. Think of it as a simple magazine that is customizing content exactly to what you want to know more about. And it creates this very visual experience to go through all of the things that are relevant to you in the same kind of experience as a magazine. So big pictures, clear titles, easy to read, easy to follow without having information overload. So a great way to use it, for example, if you're a photographer, they have a whole photography channel that is not only getting information from people you can follow, like me, I mean, you should head over there and follow me on Flipboard as well, but also they have curators that are putting in some of the best information that you want to learn to get better at photography and also inspiration to make you feel more excited about the photos that you can shoot. They're doing this about all sorts of different specific interests, but obviously, I mean, I think you guys might be into the photography stuff. Also, though, I curate my own uh, magazines that are specifically about Apple photography, cinematography, so you can see what I've been reading or watching lately and things that are making me better at my hobbies, passions, and job. So thanks again to Flipboard for sponsoring this episode. I think you should check them out. Head over to flipboard.com slash Stallman, and then you can follow me there. Or just head over to the App Store and download Flipboard today. I guess the starting place, if you want to be a freelancer, is finding a client, which that's kind of in the distant past for all of us. We're all almost Working. almost old, not yet, but we'll, we'll be old soon, and uh, have sort of got, gotten to the point where our, our clients grow through each other. A lot of things are word of mouth, and that's how, how we find a lot of our clients now is like referrals through past clients. People are just aware of what we do, but it is so different when you're just getting started out and uh, you don't know where you're going to find that client. You may not even know what kind of, you know, you, you know, you're a photographer, but is your first client going to be a dentist or a clothing line? Like, you know, or a family friend. Yeah, no, right, I mean, right. you can, where you start may not be up to you, but do, do you remember where you got your first clients, Jason? I think that I think that when I started, uh, it was mostly through assisting other photographers. So you would go out and you would spend uh, a couple days on a magazine and then you would get to know the editor and then you would run into them at, you know, a function or a gathering that was industry related. And then they'd be like, hey, you know, it's you again. And you slowly start to build relationships. I always think of this much how I think about what the wedding world must be like mm -hmm. like if you shoot a wedding and you do a good job at it and those photos now make it out and those girls now have seven other friends that'll probably get married in the next two years right it's yeah. kind of that word of mouth that's sort of the best way of describing it but yeah because you're like the, also with like when you're talking about networking and being around people it's like you are you might be the first person that comes to the top of their mind right you know when they're like oh i need a photographer oh who's the last photographer i saw or whatever right I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, well, in, in the way that we started, it would have been about making impressions mm -hmm. today. I think it's a little bit of a different landscape. So I feel like, well, yeah. Are we just not qualified to say what to do now? Because it really has for sure changed. I mean, obviously social media is a huge part of it for some people, but I don't think it can be everything. Know. Yeah. I don't know. It's social media, well, especially for commercial photography. Mm -hmm. Like no, it's, no. it's hard to, it's hard to decide well for one you know instagram photographers or whatever don't always have the best rep because there's a line between like a commercial slash an influencer and you're dealing with a lot of egos people want to shoot and they're like they think that they're getting hired because of who they are not what they do right um and 
so maybe clients don't want to don't even want to go there you know like i don't want to deal with people and and find out if this is going to be Although, a good experience or not i think i think what you're thinking of in that situation which is common is like somebody grows a following through their photography and turns that into a mm-hmm. commercial which business. we know people that do that too. yeah and it can work out but I, I, you can also take it down a level. Most people won't grow that following. Most people will stay mm-hmm. at, you know, below a thousand followers or something, but can still run a successful business without a following, but just having a good, a, a, like a good portfolio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. An account that represents you well. And I think that's something uh, that c- can discourage people a lot of the time is feeling like, well, I'm not getting enough engagement, not enough comments yeah. on something that's a portfolio. That's not the priority to me. I think the most important thing is that when somebody searches for you, your images come up. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I think SEO, and we know someone who put a lot of time and effort into building their SEO, and I think built his career based on that. Did it, did it work out well? Noah Fallis, he spent like so much time, right. you know, Googling and like um, putting his name or putting keywords in his website that led to his website sure. for, well, local, for me- local clients. Do you remember at one point we had the idea we bought, I think it was like calgaryweddingphotography.com yeah. or something like that? Yeah. We didn't use it. We didn't set no. it up. But we didn't like... But it's not a bad idea. We didn't work on it. Yeah, we weren't and really that, trying to be wedding photographers yeah, either. We only yeah. shot right. like two weddings a year this whole time. But, but in regards to what we're talking about right now, there's a, there's a thousand different ways to skin a cat in this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, your route to a client is much like... Probably the route to a, a new person with a degree trying to find uh, their first job. Like you can take the classical route and go and hand out some resumes or send them out or try and meet somebody that you admire for coffee. Yeah. Um, all of those classic routes of just getting stuff out. But then you can take the more creative route and say, well, you know, maybe I, I want to work in the automotive industry. So I don't, ha- there's, there's five car manufacturers, but then there's, you know, the people that make the parts or whatever. I mean, you can follow many avenues down what you're doing to, to find a similar path to a job. But and- I, I think still a lot of like younger people, especially now, FaceTime is something that you mean the, you mean the Apple about. product on your no. iPhone FaceTime, right? <laughs> yeah, no, like actual FaceTime meeting with people, seeing them in real life, talking to them, taking meetings, stuff like that. It's so invaluable. Right. Like no matter how much we work online and all yeah. of that, if we ever do like a like a full week of meetings and just like focusing on that, it always translates into work. Just because like before we said that it is about you being on top of their mind well, for the to, next job that they're right. booking. To clarify, whatever. these are purposeless meetings. These aren't oh, yeah. meeting to talk about a project or to try to get a job or, and especially to not have them feel like you're trying to extract something from them. Yeah. Like it really is just like, Hey, we're in the same industry. Let's just Get to know each other. Yeah. Sometimes, it goes, sometimes it goes, it, you know, you realize like, oh, we're not really the same kind of people. We don't have any projects in common. You never work together. Like, that's fine. But sometimes we also end up with friends in the industry that we don't work together, but they're still mm-hmm. friends in the industry. Oh, so. yeah. Many right. people we know like that. And, and, and the, the great thing about that is, is that right off the bat, you're sort of weeding out maybe people that, because the people that you get along with are the people that you get along with. And you are going to build that relationship. And maybe not right now, but maybe in a year and a half from now, they're like, uh, we just got a, a job at this magazine or this publication or, um, you know, this online sales thing. And they'll think of you later, even if not yeah. now. But it's important, I think, to build the relationships with the people that you want to work with. And on like 
in the same vein, though, it's the worst when you are trying to like set up a meeting and only going to meetings with the hope that you get you will get something out of it. It's just such a turnoff on like a relationship level and a work level to to find out that somebody only wants to spend time with you because. Mm -hmm. They want something from you. Yeah, totally. Right. Well, and and I mean, Jason was hinting at this, but I think it's the one of the main points to drive home is that there's a million ways to do this. And right. you, I, I hear people give advice when they're like, you have to do this. You have to be making cold phone calls or you have to send 100 emails a day or you have to work on the SEO of your website or you have, well, there's no have to, you can not have a website and still make it work. You can not call anybody and it's still like, yeah, there's different solutions for the, everybody. The, so. the, the number one thing is you need friends in the industry. Now, how you get those friends, whether they're real friends or Instagram <laughs> right. friends or somebody that, you know, face to face or your mom's brother's cousin, you need friends and you need, yeah. you need somebody that's going to talk to you and be like, Hey, can you do this? Or do you like doing this? You need to find an avenue and explore it yeah, and so, explore it to the maximum. So if you're nowhere near the industry right now, it's just like start getting involved in it. If there's events you can go to, if you can start assisting, if you can just find excuses to hang out with other people that work in the same place as you. Um, stepping a tiny bit back to what you were saying before about uh, the difference between free freelance and in-house, um, I often find that um, you know you make these friends and people start out at jobs and they're they're in-house and maybe they don't have the most responsibility at first. Like mm -hmm. when I think about the difference between those two, I think of an in-house person that's maybe a photographer that won't that won't get any sort of creative um, strong arm in, in the relationship with their company. They're, they're there to shoot something that's already been predetermined. So they might make less money because they can do a thousand shots over the month, um, but they have no direction in creative where I feel like when you get hired as a freelancer, generally they want you to put your flair on something. They, yeah. they, they've come to you because they know that you, they're going to get some of your spice. Well, um, yeah, and you can take on more responsibility. Right. Yeah. And that comes with too, with what you were talking about of as far as communication and, you know, kind of right. when, when a client comes to you, generally they're these days, they're hot and ready. It's like, we've, this is our idea. Can you do it right now right, or well, next week? <laughs> let's say that a client's come to you, you found a client and now you got to start planning the shoot. You're going to do some pre-production. You're going to start organizing what this is going to be. Um, how do you approach that correctly? <laughs> like obviously it can come in different ways. Sometimes there's a whole proposal that like, this is the shot list. These are sketches of what we want. Here's some stock photos of references. And like, sometimes Move the client board. is really organized and they're, they know what they want and they're asking you to create it. And sometimes it's just a vague, like we need photos for our product <laughs> launch. Right. Um, and those are the times when you often hyperextending all of your joints on set because nobody really knew and it yeah. sort of evolves as it goes. And then at the end of the job, they're like, oh, but we were really hoping for A, B, and C. And we didn't really tell you in the beginning, but that's what we wanted. Well, but so you didn't do it. Let's start with that scenario. They come to you with, <laughs> with virtually nothing. Uh, and in, in that case, the thing is you kind of become the agency. Like it, in the way these things sort of should work is there should be a creative director or art art director at the top of that that is is making these decisions first that's ideal but it's also just not the reality of how right. the world ends up working a lot of the time a lot of the time it's the designer from a company i mean it's, this is especially working with smaller businesses the designer or ceo <laughs> is just coming to you they know they need something in a photo or video format and 
you know, can you make this for us? But I don't know what it should be. So you end up walking them through that. How much of that burden is it fair to take on? Well, I think as a freelancer, you take it, you take it all on you, you, the, the thing that we're missing here is like the, the accounts management side. I mean, I feel like when you as a freelancer start taking on creative roles, you become the account manager, which is like, okay, well let's come up with a mood board. And so now you're, you're, you're taking on creative and then you're now uh, being the liaison between describing that to the person and holding them accountable. Like, you know, saying, Hey, you know, this is what we're going to do. And they'll think that they need a hundred shots and you could be, no, no, we can tell the story in 12 or, or, or 13. Like how much do you want to be proud of it as well? Like, you hopefully you're not taking on jobs that you don't give a shit about and you you're you want to create something to me it's like if you're taking jobs you don't care about then you're wasting your time you're wasting their time take on things that you're passionate about that you think that you're going to make it look better or that you're going to have success with it that it's going to be a repeat client all of that because the more you care about it obviously the more responsibility you're going to take on the more time you're going to put into it which is like maybe that's not the expectation but i mean to me and to you guys too i know how I think you know. even some of how you think of it, though, it's not even necessarily that you're you're passionate about it. I think it's more so that you know that you can do it well. Yeah. I don't think you because like we shoot things that we're not interested in. Like oh, I don't care about this. Like we did baby food a while ago. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but we, we're not yeah, pa- sure, not but, passionate. But, the, but all, it's we know that we can succeed. That we can do a good job for like, the client. It, it it is a challenge, I guess. Like I like to think about a lot of jobs that way. It's like oh, it's a challenge for me to take this thing and make it look cool or make it relevant or make it look better oftentimes it's a company that has existed for you know a number of years or whatever and they want to you know step step up their game and like be on the next level and you're going to be there to help them through it which is like the most rewarding thing then you do something really great and it works really well and it's like you're the one to thank for it right I also I would also say that I'm like a big fan of the of the process as well. Like I like just in general working with the team. So whatever the product or maybe outcome is, I mean more so than final deliverables or getting a high five. I I really enjoy like the process of getting together with the team and 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 you know the first ideation to come together and say hey this is what we're gonna do and be part of it throughout. I I just because I'm a person that works on my own when I get to work with different people and other creatives. That's like uh, your office time. Yeah, as a whole and and these days it's also party time right. as well. You mean you get to get together on set with six people and that's like you your 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 job is to have fun all day and and make make something good this episode is brought to you by clean my mac x software that i use and i've talked about a bunch of times because you want to keep your mac running smoothly you don't want a random beach ball when you're in the middle of an important job or even an unimportant job you don't want to be waiting for your computer when you're trying to complete your goals on that machine so if you're a mac user you should be using clean my mac x from macpaw they're developers that have been in the apple community for a very long time now they are trusted by many other Mac developers. They are well-known. They do great work. Clean My Mac X is an ideal way of decluttering your whole Mac. So what does it do? It includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible junk from your computer, helps you to tune up your Mac so that it runs at maximum speed, and it also organizes disk space, showing large hidden folders so you don't even know what's like lurking there on your computer, making your drive full, which slows it down more than anything, really. Like if you 
you ever got a totally crashing computer that is just not really functioning, check if your hard drive is completely full because often that can cause the worst possible problems. Um, plus, you can also free up tons of space on your Mac so that it never runs into issues of storage. And it fights Mac-specific malware and adware and protects your computer. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple, so you know it's been checked by the security teams over there, and it also really stands out in terms of its design. So it makes a total difference when you're using an app that is enjoyable to use. Plus, you'll always be discovering new ways to optimize your Mac. So go pick up Clean My Mac X today. You can get 5% off if you go to MacPaw dot app slash stallman and yeah you're gonna five percent off but that discount only lasts for two weeks so macpaw dot app slash stallman and thanks again clean my mac for sponsoring this episode yeah. well, something i kind of left out of this list of things to talk about was quoting um which i don't want to get too far into because that's like an hour conversation but um yeah i, I kind of feel like that like how much are you going to enjoy the product ends up being a big part of how of that kind of quote of like okay so in this case you're taking on extra responsibility if you're going to end up planning for them which like you've got to decide like am i comfortable with that because usually this is the kind of client with a more restricted budget as well so you're going to get a little bit less money and do a little bit more work because you're you're helping them plan and to me it's it's always worth doing that when it's going to be a great experience when you like working with the team when they're going to be relaxed and make it and help you make it fun um and there's definitely other people that are just super stressed out make you stressed out and then it's like well I, I don't know if I want to be taking on extra responsibility and extra work mm-hmm. only to feel miserable about it while we're actually producing it um, but then on on the other hand there's okay an agency comes to you it's all pre-created for you you have Set like up. a pretty clear idea of what's going on um, which has been our last couple of jobs we're really you know there's pretty good mood boards ahead of time and we had help from the, from their team so uh do, i don't know do you guys have like a strong preference do you like being really involved in the creative or do you like to be handed some of the ideas before yeah starting? i think it's a mix i mean like middle middle way kind of you know like you want to know what they you you want to know what they want but you want them to be flexible enough that you can come to them with ideas to make things better because it's like okay well maybe everything that we thought isn't the best and there is still room for improvement so we're gonna go 90 and you come 10 or whatever you know like that whatever that joke from the will smith movie (laughs) and then you make you make the the magic happen I, i feel like there's um you know, in regards to this, it just depends on whether you like the ideas that are being presented. Um, that's always sort of going to be the case. And, you know, there's ideas that you maybe necessarily don't like, but you do anyway. And that's the same with, you know, clients or agencies. And a, that's a, a, a like. J-O-B. A J-O-B, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're doing something and you're, you know, you're paying for your gear and, you know, whatever it is, your, your, your rent or your studio or a computer, whatever you're saving yeah, yeah. up to and do. And there's no shame do. in doing that either. Yeah, there's no shame in doing it either, for sure. Um, it's funny, though, what, what, you, what you were saying about, I mean, agencies can be just as disorganized as somebody client direct. Even if you get a mood board from an agency, I mean, an agency is just a person at the end of the day that's on set with you, that's, you know, telling you, oh, can we do this, this, and this as well? Um, they, they have the ability to uh, hyperextend the ask um, last minute just as much as a client. I think uh, when it comes down to a solid mood board and concept, it's more so about um, who's really in charge of it. It doesn't matter if it's a client or an agency. It's like the person that's there asking, like, are they, and the client themselves, are they 
are they set in what they believed or are they going to come with a whole extra box of stuff or yeah. i mean oh my god we just had a we just had a conversation over the phone the other day and they literally didn't even know what we did they're like oh yeah we oh, were right, told yeah, yeah. that we should call you to do <laughs> but who you are know, you? this or this but yeah but they're you know like just based on the conversation there was no understanding of what of whether or not he knew what we did exactly and slash what we were going to be even doing for them. So it just, it was so such a disconnected conversation to begin with. Right. We, we ended up leaving that thing with just being like, okay, well, this isn't going to happen because there's absolutely no, like there's nothing here. Yeah. Well, I think a ton of these, cha the challenges of getting started with this is that there are so many paths that it can take and so many, there's so many right ways for a shoot to be done. It's not that like half of these are wrong and half are right. It's like, even for us, it's different every single time. Yeah, and we learn yeah. every time. In different time. cities, it works differently. Different countries, I'm sure it's completely different. So, um, but I, one thing to touch on quickly would I, let's just have like a really quick like quoting thing, especially for beginners. What do you guys have any general advice for people getting started on how to approach setting their rates um, when we, you know, when you don't have a rate, like you haven't billed anybody before? So, what do you do the first time? You, right. you contact other creatives. Like, yeah. I think it's so much more valuable to just ask as many people. I know it's such an uncomfortable conversation to have with people about money or whatever, which is important to also have a group that you feel comfortable with who you can ask these questions. Um, and there are a lot of people are also very protective of that stuff, but people have to understand that it's like me asking you how much you charge for your work isn't isn't that I'm going to go to the client and undercut them or whatever, because that doesn't serve me. It's about knowing what to ask the client so that nobody else going forward is going to get taken advantage of or cheated from what they could be getting paid. Right. There, there's something to be said about the honesty. Even if that person is quoting on the same thing that you're quoting on, you have no shame in asking what those numbers are. And you should never feel... I mean, these days I feel like you can never feel um, any discomfort in somebody asking you numbers because if they're going to go in low, then you don't want this other person to get a job just because they're less money than you are. And you, and, and at the end, if, if, if you come in, you know, at the same price or they come in higher or they think you're cheap, at least you can come sort of to some sort of a agreement. Um, and then it becomes about the work and not exactly. the, the, the price. Yeah. But when you're starting out um, with what Tyler said, it's like, you, you, you're going to ask one of us and we're going to have a, a four, you know, whatever that day rate is, whether it be four or six or $7,000. And as a new person that's maybe been on set a couple times and maybe you've done some assisting for two or $300, how do you set that rate? Um, I, I always say that you, the, the most expensive non person, like, um, like a, a digital tech and, you know, in a pro environment here would be a six or $700 Sorry, a digital tech is a non person. Like as a, as a non creative like somebody that's just hired to do a, an assisting job or manage computer right. stuff sorry i'm non-person is wrong <laughs> uh, it's a little reductionist uh, yeah, there, but, yeah yeah um, <laughs> anybody uh, other than the photographer as, is a non-person yeah, <laughs> as a, a non-creative that's on set sure. to help so uh, as a rule of thumb i try and tell new people that start out to try and at least get between a thousand and fourteen hundred and knowing that they're saying hey um i don't have 20 years experience i don't have all of this gear i don't have a bunch of people to help me i don't have a studio so if they're coming in at at half there has to be a reason for it yeah, yeah. Uh, but i mean it's also let's talk about what was our starting rate when we started shooting 
I don't you know, remember. Really. I think I, I mean, think it was about fifteen hundred a day. Yeah, I, what I've what I've said, I think I said this on YouTube, but that generally, depending exactly where you are, but that like anything less than about a thousand bucks a day, which yeah. I think translates to most countries as well, is getting a little too low. That maybe it's like either that should be a free job that you're doing for experience, yeah. or it should be more than a thousand. Actually, bucks. this is a good the, the way that I always thought about setting rates too is that imagine this is your and. Uh, a good time sort of uh, time reference would be a month. So if this was the only job that you did in one month, what is the most comfortable amount of money that would be for you to like pay all your bills and stuff like that? So as long as you can pay all your bills sure. in one month, this is your day rate. Yeah. And, and when you're completely new, I don't think it's horrible to take on some free work as long as you know it's the kind of thing that they just don't have a budget for it. I'll, but companies usually do have a budget. So like more so working with friends, you know, just taking on like f fun projects. Like there's, there are situations where doing stuff for free is the, the right thing to do or maybe even a better solution is keep assisting. You can get paid to be a second shooter like weddings is a great example. You could shoot dozens of weddings where you're getting, you know, hundreds of dollars. You're not the primary person. You're not the most responsible for it. You are serving as backup, but you get really good experience and you are still holding a camera in your hand. But it's also really important to remember that this is, it, you can't really take specific advice from the internet on this because it's so location dependent. Mm -hmm. Like the rate's going to be completely different in Canada versus the States versus Europe. Like everywhere will have really, so that's why there's really no point in us giving specific rates or listening to what you see on the internet. It's got to be people that are in your city mm -hmm. or, or, or competing for the same clients that you are. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I mean, like I, I, I always ask people about money. I know I just kind of stopped thinking about, oh, don't be uncomfortable about it or don't worry about making people all like, don't worry about people thinking that it's awkward because at the end of the day, you're not, you're just, you're just trying to find information so that everybody wins at the end of the day. Yeah. So as you get started on a project, what do you need to think about in terms of agreements, deliverables, um, and actual contracts? Um, I think a big part of this is the communication step of making sure that the client and you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, probably all of our biggest problems ever with any project has always been a difference of expectations of what are we going to do and then what ends up happening. Yeah. Not, have everything not, written down. Not many other things go wrong. It always comes back to that. It's like, oh, if we had, if only we had talked about that. Yeah. All this. Even if you don't avoided. have a contract you should at least have something in writing, an email or something that exists physically that you can reference back to later. Right. I think that this this is, is, is good in line items with what we're speaking of right now. So if you're, for example, expected to take 12 shots, um, let's say in a day, and you end up taking you know, a couple thousand to get that 12, let's say, and you deliver the 12, but then the client's like, well, I want this, this, and this, and this, and this is this as well. Um, as making it as, um, as clear as possible that how you got to that 12. So if they want another 12, you're charging for processing, retouching, and, you know, just essentially prepping it to go out into the world so that there's a breakdown of how that happens. So if you end up in a scenario where you need to end, uh, edit another video 
for another full day that that's like this is what it costs for us to get to that first one um and this is a breakdown of what the next one will cost yeah, yeah. And, and i think some beginners will get too caught up in the contract idea like they'll think they need something in legalese that's long and everybody signs and like you're saying i mean i think the most the most important thing even for us now the most important thing is having it captured in emails yeah. is that there is some paper trail of here is what we all agree on here is what we decided because it's not that you're going to be suing each other afterwards like the legal stuff doesn't really matter usually it's just a, about going back and and having a, a something you can point to so you both say like yes this is what we said yeah. that's so much more important than having a signature really yeah because right. the contract i mean at the end of the day you are building goodwill with that client. So you'll know whether or not you're going to get another job or whatever. But, you know, the, the, the non-spoken sort of nonverbal things like, you know, confidentiality and all of that stuff, you obviously, you should be, you should be going into a job knowing that those things are there no matter whether or not you have a contract right i think business school really helps with things like that or business courses just take a bunch of business courses know know how businesses work know what to expect of those things like that's so helpful with quoting and expectations and all that stuff there's there's really great software now which helps out a lot too i mean um, with what I was just saying, you can, you can add your day rate. And then, um, I like to put in some things that are, that are hourly. So for example, if I've, if I've charged, if I've charged $500 for an edit, it's broken down by hour. And so then if they come back, you've got another hour to, to tack on if you feel that way. What software? Uh, um, I mean, I, I just use uh, fresh books. I mean, oh, it's, okay. it's, it's, it, I pay for it and it's not ideal to a lot of people because it costs uh, $20 a month. But I like that um, it's cloud. It backs everything up. And, uh, and I like how it, it like tracks what has been paid and how it was right. paid so they can pay by credit card. Right. Or, and you know right. when it's completed. And, right. Yeah. There was, I'm, try, I'm just going to try to a find lot of the people name of it, you, A lot of people talk about Wave because it's free um, and you set up your... I, but I'd also say for this kind of mission critical stuff, pay for something that works. Especially, like, especially, yeah. It's not that... Exp if you're trying to get into this business, right. $20 a month isn't that expensive. Right. It, it, it might be if you're a student, or it probably definitely is. I mean, I know it's expensive for a lot of people, but like there will be some amount of fixed costs that you're just going to have to swallow and... To, you, know, you can choose what they are, yeah. but you can't expect there to be none. And, yeah. and if you're worried, For, sorry. The other two softwares that I, or software <laughs> that I heard of is PhotoQuote, and then Getty Images has actually a licensing calculator on their right. uh, website, which uh, Jeremy was talking about. He had he did like a live Instagram um, talking about rates and stuff like that. So I listened to it because I'm always very curious. Um, and he said those two those two things. I haven't looked into them, but. Um, they sound very useful. Something I would say that I did at first, um, and you have to feel this out as well, depending on your trust level If with the client. If you've got somebody that's been a little bit flaky and maybe they've canceled a couple times yes. and you're not um, the type of person that has any sort of legal contract or something like that, I've always gotten those people to sign. Deposit. <laughs> uh, well, yes, one, a deposit, and two, and even if it's a little bit, even if it's $500 a day, if it's to cover the people, if you had to hire a makeup artist or rent the studio to cover that cost so yeah um but i always get those if i'm in a new scenario where maybe something like maybe you got hired the day before and it's a fairly large amount of money and you're like okay i've never heard of these people <laughs> i've got a yeah. different area code calling me and i'm expected to go do this thing um whoever it is that shows up on set uh first 
that represents that client, I get them to just sign the invoice because then there's at least um, a little bit of a contract which is binding that say that, hey, yeah, we looked at this, these are the numbers, and, and we were okay with it um, without having any words that that is uh, somehow, somewhat legally binding at minimum. If you're not the type of person that can be like, oh, how do I make myself a contract um, yeah. to, to get stuff rolling here yeah. and do I need a lawyer well, to go look at it? We've actually also had in the past, we asked friends of ours who we know have contracts to, to give them who we know have contracts <laughs> to give us copies of them just so that we can, like, you can basically just take, well, or you can take a template and put your name in it and be like, okay, all those clauses or all those things work for me, so I'll just do that too. And also make sure to think about uh, so what's actually bitten us more, this was a while ago, but is um, not just from the client side, but with the talent. So oh, yeah. it is really important that as you are shooting people, they are very aware of what this is for, where the images are going to go, what they're going to be used for, how they're going to be portrayed, what the messaging will be around the campaign. Um, so for us, a, lo a lot of this, a lot of the volume of people we've shot in the past is stock photography, which means it can be used for anything. And in those conversations, before we do the shoot, first of all, they always have to have a model release for stock. Um, it's a good idea for anything. But um, if it's not clear that like this is going to be an open license on the internet, and it could end up kind of anywhere. Um, nothing sensitive is allowed, but uh, you know you may see your face somewhere. You've got to be so explicit about that. Because in an if, article it, about herpes. Well, <laughs> or no, no, that's, that's the not sensitive. allowed. Yeah, that's the sensitive <laughs> stuff. So in an article about... Uh, well, there was, there was a couple that we shot, and I think there was an article about like marital problems or something sure, like yeah. that. But they're a happy couple, right? Yeah. So they needed to Yeah, and to it was in like that. Cosmo or something, yeah. 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 Um, so it, it's just like, no matter what, though, make sure that they... Uh, know what it's going to be and that they're being compensated in relation to what the project is. Like if, if everybody else is working for free, maybe, you know, it's okay to ask for it to be a favor, but if you're getting paid and everybody else around there is getting paid, they should be getting paid. Yes. Yeah. Even if it's a nominal rate. Yeah. Even if it's not a lot, they should get, like there, should, should there has something. to be an exchange, yeah. I think. And I think it's a legal thing. Yeah. There has to be some kind of an exchange. Yeah. Morally too. I mean, if you end yeah. up being the person that um, asks a bazillion favors and then when you really need somebody, yeah. they're not going to be there. You're better off to, to give somebody a little bit to say, hey, I'm trying and this is what I got right now and I want to help you out too. So Yeah, and at the start that might have to come out of your right. Yeah, and, and that's just how it is. I mean, on that note, I mean, I have friends that do, you know, some fairly high-end editorial in, in Europe and stuff. And when you do a magazine, almost... 150% of your budget goes towards that creative that you do. If you're given $3,000, you spend $4,500 on renting a space, getting the clothes, paying the makeup artist, because that exposure is so much so much more valuable in different markets well, than yeah, it is here. But that's like, you know, for ID magazine or like right, something that's right, like right, very... Right, right. And the reputation of it proceeds. Right. Yeah, and because you will get a page three or whatever and someone will probably call you from, you know, a higher end side of things. So... Well, it, that's like models not getting paid to be in the pages of Vogue because that... Right. That alone and, is worth And so photographers, much. I yeah. believe, yeah. Everybody's yeah. doing the covers for free. Yeah. Which is really weird, but... Or spending more on I mean, wouldn't it. you... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't yeah. know. Vogue, tell me what your budget is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So you've got a client, you've got an agreement about what you're going to do. Now you've got to kind of manage it. So let's spend a second talking about like email, phone calls, meetings. Um, 
I don't, I don't really know where to start with this, but it's a big part of it. I guess maybe I just want to prepare anybody that hasn't started off their freelance career to know that you're going to spend a lot of time reading emails, writing emails. And, I mean, uh, emails is such a big part of sitting in our Zoom job. Calls. Yeah. Like right. first thing you do in the morning is just respond to emails and that can take you into the afternoon. That can be just like <laughs> an entire can day can just day. be spent. Well, yeah. Yeah. Especially if there's any sort of reference involved. I mean, you don't want to just drop and drag some stuff and unless it's one thing, but if, if you've been asked to put together some colors and some images, you're going to spend a minute and, and yeah. lay it out and be like, Hey, this is, this is my vision. And, yeah. and this is what we'd like to see happen. Yeah. And so then this, this, leads directly back to like um contract versus uh creative i mean they're kind of one in the same in a way because you need to have the creative before you get the the the, the, the shot list really mm-hmm. and that will dictate the price at the end and so it's sort of this homogenous thing that all has and it's they're all three are going to adjust mm-hmm. uh based on one another oh so, totally i mean you can you there's been times where we got you know, a loose creative or whatever then turns into so much more. And it turns out that the time you spend producing the shoot is actually like three times as long as you thought that was going to take or whatever, right? right? Or that you end up spending so much more money because in order to execute this vision, you actually need so many resources. Yeah, it's actually something we didn't talk about at the beginning that's become true for us is we'll split out when production becomes a line item on the quote for us as well, especially for you. I mean, Anya's, if I was doing this by myself, I would never offer produ- producer uh, right. s- talents because like it's, it's, it's its own thing. Like producing isn't just something that is thrown in there. Like it will take you an extra three, four, five, six days to produce a shoot if it's a big thing. And now we've started to break that out. It's basically if you, if you guys, the client don't have a producer to, to manage the location and models and, and props and styling and all this stuff, we can offer that and you're going to get billed for it. And I mean, a lot of it comes down to time. Small, small teams have less time to deal with those things. You know, you have a, a team that they have, all of the people dealing with the creative at the end of it, they don't have a photographer, but then they also don't have a person who has experience or knowledge how to get a venue, how to get the models, how to talk to, how to, talk to hiring models, um, how to get props, or even time to get props or whatever. Right. And so, are the props going to come in the right color? Do you exactly. Know, do you know how often... Or the, access to those things if, even. But when there's nobody in charge of that, like how often it's just random stuff from everybody's home. Like people just oh, bring stuff. The worst. Or it's like, okay, now the styling is white t-shirts. I yeah, mean, so often it's like the, the easiest solution becomes what's in the shoot and that is usually not the right answer for yeah. what the shoot needs. You're so. really relying on... Uh, uh, first... I would say you end up pick, like you charge and you you want to make the job good. You've got a you've got a job for a client, but it's only X amount of dollars, and you end up putting in all this extra time, and not know not knowing that oh, okay, well I don't care about that day before. I only care about the shoot day. Um, and then with what you're saying, I mean, with some of the things that you've done recently, where you take uh, three carloads out to the mountains, I mean that is. A gigantic feat in itself, just getting a bunch of all of those things together that you know are going to visually work. Um, and people sometimes don't put enough emphasis on on that. It's like, oh yeah, we just need a rug or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. on top of the rug, well, what's going to be there? Well, the yeah. basket and the plates and whatever it is. Yeah. Um, somebody has to really put the time into getting that stuff. So, or uh, I mean, often the thing that people underestimate is the amount of things, because it's like you want 
I mean, yeah, the, the mountain shoot being the example is like you want a specific look, but so you think, oh, we only have to bring a bag of food or something. But no, you actually really this need... Was, this was a mountain picnic, just to, to paint, right. a, paint a visual picture right. for anybody listening. Yeah. This was for, like, for, yeah. one, for one picnic, you yeah. actually need like, you know, two coolers of things because uh, you just need things to look abundant and, in, you know, things photograph differently than they look like in real life. Right. So you and, have options. And, and we live in a place where we don't have access to the greatest markets. Sometimes you could spend a, actually a, a, a good four or five trips to different stores looking for a perfect apple. And that's not oh, even yeah, yeah. You know, a joke. You know, yeah. I mean, you could get lettuce that looks terrible for, you know, a quarter of the year. And if you yeah. need, if that's something that you need, you, you, you got to go get it and somebody's doing it. Yeah. So it's also about being aware of when, do you, when are you at a point that part of the budget starts to need to be allocated to stylists? When do you need to start hiring hair and makeup? Mm -hmm. Like, when do you skip on which things? Because it's different for us on different shoots. I think often hair and makeup is a priority. That yeah. usually is one of the first extra hires that we'll do. Especially if you're working with younger models, like mm -hmm. people that haven't done it themselves often or whatever. I feel like, and also being an older model <laughs> or having done it for a long time, there definitely have been clients that request you to wear your own makeup and stuff, uh, which is fine if you've had a lot of time practicing and doing it and knowing what people want then you can show up looking fine but uh, a lot of times if you ask for natural makeup or whatever girls will just come with no makeup at all right <laughs> and it's like uh well, no <laughs> i also think though if you didn't have experience in styling yourself that mm -hmm. that would be something we'd have to be adding on more often as well like yeah. if it's I, I, like I don't feel like you style your own shoots very no, often, Jason. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. And I mean, right now it's not, even even creatively it's hard. Like, I mean, right now to find stylists. I mean, we live in a city of a million people, and I would say that there's mm -hmm. maybe three in this city. And so yeah. you kind of that 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 have the the gumption and the access to pull from wherever they want. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So that becomes a tough one. So on that note, I mean, you want to shoot clothes and you don't live in a big market. But, you know, or, how, do, how do you achieve or that? Or even just the knowledge of like, because a lot of people will think, oh, a stylist. So then you get somebody who's a stylist, but they think... As a they, they think of themselves as a stylist in terms of being really cool. fashionable and like fashion yeah. forward and stuff. And it's like, no, we actually need you to styling, only make them look like they just woke up. Styling right. is one of look, the hardest jobs right. on right. set. Like just right. physically, you're doing so much work. You're right. running around, right. driving around, carrying tons of product. Yeah. It's, it's and, and, underappreciated. And to be clear, um, there are set stylists. There are food stylists. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so anything that could possibly look like it needs some work there's somebody that can make it better for you out oh, there yeah two seconds about uh dealing with clients on set you're, you're at the shoot any any big advice about that i the first thing that came, comes to mind for me that um when, when i see sets not running as well compared to the best sets i've seen is as the photographer director uh lead on a project the your biggest responsibility is to make it a, a good environment, yeah. like making everybody feel comfortable, make people feel like they know what they should be doing next. Yeah. Um, and the, the, just the worst thing is when that person in the leadership role is making people feel like crap, yeah. like making them you know, want to go jerk. home. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just not leading it at all. And like hoping everybody will figure out or their jobs. Like, oh shit. Yeah, like, oh, shit, yeah. What am I, what am I yeah. supposed to do? Somebody tell me yeah. what to do. Yeah. So when one person, when one person has a little bit of a bad 
scenario or day or something maybe the art director gets a bad comment from the client and they they have the ability to crush um the vibe for everybody else Mm -hmm. and and it's up to you to to bring that back and be like oh i know what you know what if 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 the model is now feeling insecure and and somebody has robbed that 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 you know especially when they're new um it can be it can be devastating for 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 younger people to hear something negative so it's your job to not only you know mitigate the 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 um the attitudes and and personalities on set but to make everybody feel like everything's good yeah and, oh no that's so much of it it's like no no matter what's happening even if it, the world is obviously falling apart even if the shot's not turning out it's gonna be okay you're yeah. the one that makes the client feel like we got this like this is gonna work out you yeah. should never be the one like oh my God, oh my God, this isn't going to work. Think, like, I think a the, really big thing is to not, to put your ego aside. Again, like so much of it has to be like, you're not there for yourself. You're yeah. there for the client. Your part of preparing for the shoot has ended before the shoot. You know, like you had your chance to work on the creative production, all of that stuff. You did everything in your hands to make it as good as you wanted. Now you're on set. Now you're, now you're executing the client's vision and you want to make them happy. Right. And also no drama. Like, I feel like a lot of the, the jobs rule. that we have that are like quite heavy with content or whatever, um, the adrenaline is like too much sometimes to even worry about drama. Like if something goes wrong or whatever, you really have to pivot back and like bring it back to going on a straight line. Like right. there's no time to freak out over anything. Right. All you can do is like, there's no room for error. Yeah. You have to make it work. Freak right? out when you get home. Yeah. And the day before, yeah. um, that's when it happens. I mean, I still, I still get nervous before a shoot day, wondering if everything's, you know, gonna, yeah. 15 years later, it's like, I'm going to have a less, I'm not going to have the best sleep I've ever had in my whole life the, the, the day before a shoot. It's just never going to happen. Yeah. And that's, the t- that's, that's okay. I mean, you learn to operate under those conditions. That's how you take the punches. Under pressure. And, and the next day with what, with what you just said, it's like the, the best possible outcome is to have fun. And at the end of the day, everybody you know, leaves thinking, wow, you know what, no matter what happened today, we, we, we got it and, and it's good. And I felt like I did my job trying to include everybody. I, I always go back to, to that Deacon's podcast where, um, Josh Brolin said, you know, I, on all of the little sets in Hollywood that I worked on, everybody was macho and everybody was um, ego driven. Right. On smaller movies. On smaller movies. And then it wasn't until I got to the top um, that I realized that nobody had egos. Everybody was just there trying to do their absolute best job. They dropped what, you know, they thought was the ideal scenario and was, you know, trying to execute somebody else's vision without, without any sort of attitude and, and just to get, you know, the, the job done. Because at the end of the day, if, if you think that this is a cool job, um, the way to get another one of those is to make people feel really great. And also at the end of the day, it is a collaborative thing. Like you may be the photographer and you might be responsible for the final product or whatever, but it didn't, it didn't all come together just because of you. There's a lot of people involved in it that, you know, are all taking credit for what it looks like sharing and what it's going to be. Yeah. 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 Sharing credit. So the shot is done. You've, you've, you're finished with the shoot. Now you've got to deliver it to the client. How do you do a good job of that? 
This is actually the most time-consuming part. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> and this people skips over don't realize. Yeah, this skips over editing. Like, we're not going to talk about actual post-processing yeah. today. But, like, hour, yeah, hours-wise, I don't think the clients ever understand that, you know, what's, our, what's, what's your ratio of time spent shooting to editing, typically? Oh, I would say it's at least two or three to one. Yeah. I mean, you you think you think that you're gonna get stuff out right away, and still, even to this day, after doing it for this long, it's always more than I still think. Yeah. Even mm -hmm. somehow, it exponentially grows because mm -hmm. uh, your expectations grow. I think. Yeah. Your, so your taste level. Yeah, yeah, your, yeah. The quality. I mean, we look back at some of our older photos that we thought we were doing at a really high level, mm -hmm. and we're like, why didn't we Photoshop the, those flyaway hairs out? Or just like weird yeah. little yeah. issues that could have been fixed, and we just didn't consider it's, priorities back then. So now we spend that much more time. It's also a sign of the times too. I mean, with retouching, all of that evolves yearly. It's like, this is what's, you know, the, the advertising market and magazines will dictate, you know, kind of what skin looks like now or hair looks like now versus. And Well, yeah, like when you also, when you see things on Instagram that look like, you know, a billboard from 10 years ago or whatever, then all of a sudden a billboard today must look like way, way, way better than that. Yeah. Yeah. And what about the practical terms? Actually, yeah. How do you how do you deliver? Like, what do, do you use? Dropbox? Do you use email? It, it depends. It depends. It hard actually, drives. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes, I mean, I'm in a scenario now where I give a lot of raw stuff away oh. because yeah, because they want everything. So, um, right. I mean, at which the is end, yeah, I, I'd say is not super common. Right. I think it's more common than you would think. Well, I think there's. Le I think it's a thing that higher. It's an added line item. Well, I'd say yeah. it's higher end jobs will do that. Bigger clients will do that, right. and there are less big clients than small clients. Yeah, yeah, that's that, true. That's okay, why yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. So, I mean, at the end of the day, to me, it's like this: it's like if somebody wants 15 images, and you know that they're going to, they can only possibly use 15, or it's got a lifespan. If you're shooting a colored shirt, um, and there's going to be another one in six months, you don't really care to own. Uh, you know, five five hundred images of a, of somebody's pink shirt, and you know, like in my humble opinion. Right. Well, uh, but let's also clarify because those things you're working, those th things are more catalog. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so it can be different if you're doing more like lifestyle focused things that can become portfolio work. Because right. Because also, sometimes, what is it, the... like if you want the final product to represent you in your portfolio, eventually, you're yeah. probably going to take more care right. of it and well, feel because, more responsible Because for the, the risk of giving somebody your raw photos is that they will take them and make something completely different with them. Which has right. happened. Which has happened to right. us. And, you know, like, um, you don't... And you say different is very charitable. They make something bad <laughs> yeah like yeah. They'll, they'll photoshop yeah. something in an unskilled way or uh, i don't know we've had models liquefy themselves like right. terribly right um and you know at the end of the day they're gonna tag you as the photographer right. so right and people people's understanding of what the process is is like you're gonna get the credit for the terrible photoshop job right so you want to minimize as much as it is a collaborative process right the the final yeah. edit that's kind of belong in your hands yeah, for it, for those kinds of jobs. It's not uncommon. Like it happens. I just think it's people should be aware that uh, you should be able to trust the client before that happens. That doesn't happen with like if they don't have a team 
that is comfortable in Photoshop, right. don't give them your raw files. Yeah. Like, so actually, and also just to clarify, just it. to clarify that it's not about not letting the client have what they want, because then if the client doesn't want, or if the client doesn't like something that you edited or whatever, they can come back to you and just say, I want this to look different and this is what I want. And you make that happen. So like at the end of the day, the client still gets what they want. Yeah, you're right. on the hook but, for it. But you are right. the one that is. Okay. Um, so in the scenario where, would you ever um, shoot for a client that didn't allow you to edit? Let's let's yeah, say we they have. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, you, and if you're doing the job you're doing, the catalog stuff, like, right. yeah, of course, yeah. that's right. totally fine. But you also just kind of take away... Your, it, your attachment to it. Yeah. You're like, yeah. well, we don't want the credit for yeah. this. Like, you yeah, don't yeah. leave our name off of it. Right. <laughs> it'll, it'll, just in case your name will still make it there but whatever yeah you know? <laughs> yeah well yeah we only want to be attached to it if it means more work yeah. or you know like in a good way there's also let's keep in mind that so this is how we do it there's a big world out there where people are hiring retouchers that's very very common especially at the higher level you're expected to not retouch your own work right. um we're again we're in calgary which is a smaller market and that's less common that, it's, and there are less there are less really high-end retouchers here anyway like we're we're pretty good compared to the local market but if you're in new york or la or london there's going to be somebody that is a million times better than you and you're going to hand it off to them absolutely and i feel like retouching is one of those things now where it's 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 almost specific to um like the really creative stuff is 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 advertising where you know there's a lot of cutting and pasting i feel like the lifestyle stuff it's, called, it's actually, I appreciate that it's been toned down a little bit, in my opinion. I mean, people's skin it's isn't... It's real. Yeah, it, it feels like it should, like or the pores. has it just been altered in a way to make things look seem more real? Right. Because I bet that, that there's course. still a lot... Of course. There's the, still a lot of work to make. I mean, and we also know it yeah. takes a lot of work to make things look real. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that's the trick, though, is, is, is the retoucher's hand not present. Yeah. And that, that at the end of the day, so you, I mean, you won't be able to know. So how do you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, what, did you take out know. 50 plants? Was there a, a string of Christmas lights in the background? Like, well, yeah. Yeah. Like somebody's body or skin might not have gotten retouched, but there's a million other things that right. could have been changed. Some other little details, but how we do things that could be helpful is uh, typically we'll send a folder of proofs as JPEGs on Dropbox and we'll throw some simple watermarks over them so those don't accidentally get used or yeah, wind up in the final project. Because that happens all the time. Yeah, it's and true. not to us, but to somebody yeah. else that we know. So even usually the watermark isn't, it's not usually about not trusting the client to, to like not pay us. It's about, which some people can be in that situation. Sometimes it's worth doing it just if you if you don't know the client yeah. for us it's more that like honestly files just get mixed up and they are looking at an image and many and people like, look at them yeah so some designer down the road that wasn't involved in the shoot just grabs the nearest photo to them not realizing it wasn't final no. it wasn't touched up maybe yeah. it wasn't even paid for like it wasn't in the you final. could have sent seven different finals of the same photo labeled <laughs> the same thing by the yeah. time it gets there and yes. somebody's just dragging and dropping it um that so in regards to what you're saying i mean i i will always send all if if i've got 12 photos due i will send all of them labeled version two final with the date um and then that's like they get everything at once it's not like somebody has to add it to somewhere else to yeah, complete yeah. the the 12 again <laughs> what do you deliver images in jpeg or do you do tiffs or J well unless uh, jpeg unless asked for yeah. i mean they're they're yeah yeah everything's jpeg now i, I 
Just checking. I mean, <laughs> I, know, it, I know some people feel like it should still be TIFFs. And I did a survey on Twitter a little while ago, and almost everybody said JPEG as well. I think there was a time when people kept doing TIFFs. If it goes to print, TIFFs are sure. more important. Or if it's going to be edited further. Right. If it's going to be saved again and again, right. yeah, give them something right. uncompressed. Right. But I'll often mention if I've got, say, a time constraint and somebody wants TIFFs, I'll say, hey, I'll send them to you as full res JPEGs and then open them up and save them as TIFFs when you get them. And then there's, it's not lossless beyond that. It's not like they can open it up 50 times over the period of the week and lose a bunch of highlights or something like that. I mean, even though that's not enough, uh, a large enough number for that to happen, I mean, it takes some time. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can just be, be clear that, Hey, if you want, if you want TIFFs um, and you need these in 15 minutes, I, I can't upload 50 gigs uh, that way. And it's, it, it, once again, it's the size of the ask depends on the medium in which you're transferring for me. And do you let them have rounds of changes? Like do you set that in the initial conversation about like, oh, we'll give you this many edits? I generally, or do you just, I generally just say hours. So I'll say it'll take me a day based on two images an hour or whatever I think it will be. And then that divides into this amount of time and set that price. And then I'll decide from there. If they ask for one little change or, or two, it's like oh, no big deal. That would have been a good question earlier too in your quote. Do you how do you package what they're going to receive? Will they have a set number of images or will they have, you know what I mean? Like, cause typically for us, we would say like, okay, well at this price, you're going to get 20 final photos yeah. right? or so, whatever. So that's why I was saying with and additionals the, will be this rate. Right. That's actually the important thing I yeah. shouldn't right. miss. It will cost this much for more. So they know before they get into it. Right. Yeah. So generally I'll charge uh, a processing fee for per image that goes out. So then if they take, 12 images, like the, the magic number or 10 or whatever it is. And it's $75 just to color balance it and remove dust. And then, um, you know, a, a couple hours retouching on top of that. So then if they come back with a large number, you're, you're making sure that you're compensated for that because it's like, okay, well, these 12 were this much. And that's yeah. why this, how this breakdown got here. It's funny. It's actually gotten harder for us to do with, um, well, maybe it's not surprising, but with video, mm -hmm. it's much more complicated because sometimes, sometimes a 30 second video can be more time intensive than a five minute video. Oh, yeah. Like it, it just totally depends on everything. So it's taken a lot of learning about how to break that down in the quote yeah. to, to make it make sense. The for most her. important thing I think with this too, is you have to, you have to honor what you say. Right. So when you, you know, in the beginning, yeah. if you miss telling somebody that it's actually going to be this much more for a specific edit or whatever, I don't think personally that you can later be it. like, actually, that's going to be like 2000 more dollars because they've budgeted for it. And yeah. this is already like yeah. you've, you've committed to doing this and this is what you got to do. Like this, this, yeah. this, is, this is your learning, uh, and moment. You, and you pick and choose those battles. I yeah. mean, somebody comes to you, a client that you really like, or really wanted to work with. And they're like, Hey, we got $5,000, but we need these three things. And you're yeah. like, Oh, generally I wouldn't do this. But if you really love, if you really love it and you, you dictate, then it's, it's up to you to say, okay, well I can do this or not. Yeah. Cause, because maybe, you know, if you do a good job, there's, there's always that don't sell it for nothing, but if it's something that you know you're going to put your back into and you really believe in the product, mm -hmm. there's a good chance they'll come back. Yeah, and sometimes too, it's like somebody will not have 
money for re- like extra retouching or whatever but you want it to look really great yeah so you're like we will spend extra time yeah. doing this and because you, you want it to look good and you know that it completes the project for yourself too yeah. having that those extra two fifteen seconds that yeah, yeah, yeah. complete the story you're like yeah. okay you know yeah. we just it's just this one other thing when somebody comes to you saying hey we want this this and this and this after or whatever that yeah. that becomes tacky but if you can see it and they're the, everybody's on the same yeah. page um, and it also comes down to like the way that they com- like everybody communicates too because if you have somebody being very you know understanding of how much your time is worth or whatever but they still don't have the money you're approaching the job differently than if somebody is just like expecting you to do this because right. they're entitled right oh yes yeah, so, something could have been earlier in this conversation but it seems universal it's not just us is like the more the demanding, uh, let's say a client is at the beginning of the conversation, like the more they make you struggle to wish you've never taken the job, (laughs) yeah, struggle to get the job. It's going to be like that the whole way through the higher maintenance they are at the beginning. That won't change. Like any time there's been a client that at the start, we're like, man, this is like, it's pretty stressful. Like, I don't, I don't know what this is going to be like working with them. By the time we're finished, we're like, wow, we, yeah. that was and it's, not And it's usually, unfortunately, people that don't value, yeah, meaning it, they have no money to spend. Yeah, right. so I mean, this is what happens. is that It's like the more they're like, they'll just keep renegotiating, trying to push the rate down is indicative of that they're going to keep doing that with every single point right. of the job. So like, right. yeah, just in terms of feeling out new clients, like the more that there is that bargaining and like higher expectations than what you've set, like... If you tell them the price for what they're going to get and they come back with something completely different, that can be a hint that like, okay, maybe this isn't the right, right fit. Maybe we there, should be working. There together. is a couple scenarios I'll say that I thought that clients were going to be really tough based on the beginning conversation. But once they got on set and saw their sort of, you know, products coming to life. I mean, at the same time, you get somebody that's just starting out and making something and they put everything on the line. If mm-hmm. they've got eight extra thousand dollars to make a, a shoot or a vision come true they're sometimes they're really pushing for it and well, can be really picky what, what i'm saying is it's the personality of the person yeah it's not it's yeah, not yeah. whether they have money or not it's their do they appreciate right that right, your right, time right. is yeah valuable? and like, appreciation do they care about you or do they... maybe not appreciating as much as like educated yeah because a lot of people just don't know like you know, they, they have envisioned in their mind that photography is a certain way and right. it's easier than it looks. So it doesn't have value to them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. So the shoot is done. It's been delivered. Now you got to invoice the client. When do you do that? How long is a reasonable, uh, like when do you send the, do you send the invoice with the deliverables? Do you send it after? I usually, I mean, we usually send it with the deliverable deliverables. Uh, we've had a couple of jobs that have taken a long time. Um, based on release dates and launch dates and stuff like that. Um, So depending on that, like when we send our last deliverable is when I'll send the invoice. Sometimes we'll send like a um, uh, interim billing so that we can get paid for half of the job. But that's not very often unless we like need to get paid right away or something. And people are usually understanding of that. Yeah. Deposits came up earlier. We don't usually, no, most of our have, jobs don't have splits, but yeah, they are depending on the size. Yeah. It just depends. It's, it's, like, it's depending it on whether or not you've worked with the client, depending on whether or not they seem legit. You know, like sometimes, right. sometimes people just don't have their business set up in a way that looks 
like a real business, you know, like they just started or whatever. And you're like, well, this person doesn't even have a signature in their email. But then it turns out that their product is amazing. But you don't know that until you meet them or until you have like interacted with yeah. it. And then sometimes even with bigger jobs, it's, it can be more time than it's worth to split the invoice into, yeah. into tracking and, two sets of payments as well, which yeah. is why we don't do it if it's a regular client that we yeah. trust to pay on yeah. time. Also, the a, a thing about deposits too, if somebody really doesn't want to give you a deposit, then it's like a huge red flag right. to me. Like if somebody didn't want to do that, I would just be like, okay, well, maybe then it's not a good fit. Right. Um, Especially if you have to spend money to get there. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, I mean, if there's, oh yeah, that's just another basic thing. If there's travel involved, mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is just us, maybe other people operate differently, but travel is always on top of everything. Yeah. It's never built into the price. Like it's not a bonus. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for and some people, maybe it is, but for us, it's never uh, a gift that we have to go somewhere else <laughs> and stay in a hotel to do the you, shoot. You can't, everything is, is on top of our rates. Right. And you can't get an assistant um, to travel without charging traveling days. Mm -hmm. So you have to as well. I mean, obviously situation specific. If you're how, going how do you to, set that rate? Well, so if you're going to a resort, for example, where you're getting to stay and take advantage of what's there and you're doing a job for something like that, then there might be some... some... But you don't actually ever get to... Take advantage right. yeah, no, of what's there. But, you're working the whole but time. If, but if you do, let's just say you do have the opportunity. <laughs> you're to, not working hard enough then, Right, Jason. that's fair. That, <laughs> that's fair. No, I mean, just like hours-wise, when we found, because we've shot a lot of hotels. Unless right. it includes extra days of you getting to actually yeah, yeah, that's what, to that's take what advantage I mean. of it. But that's never happened for yeah, us. No. Where they want, like, you can pay, we could pay for our own extra days, but then we're paying yeah. for right. it. Right. Or they, they, it better be a severely discounted day. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's like, oh, we'll give you the rooms for $49 that are usually 600 fine. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But Something. We've, we've done quite a bit of hospitality and that just hasn't happened yet. So I would say, um, you know, whatever. So I would go to the most expensive uh, non-person on set, haha, the, the digital tech. And I would say, okay, well, then at minimum, you know, a uh, travel day is worth. We don't have a digital tech on set. So right. for us, it's a non-person. Right. You're, yeah, you're, you're spoiled fancy. over there. So, so then I would say, you know, six or $700, something just to recognize and acknowledge that they just can't have unlimited of those. Mm -hmm. And that if they're expecting you to go to three, four different places, yeah, yeah, yeah. then a day, then it's still worth your time. You're, yeah. you're not offended. Um, they're not paying through the through the roof yeah. and not getting anything on that day, but they're acknowledging that they're not going to have five of those for nothing. Because at the end of the day, I mean, like people that are listening and are wondering about this, the travel day is really a day that you're taking away from working on something else yeah. or being able to be booked for another job. So that's you have to think about it that way. Um, same with sort of, uh, this is how we look at exclusivity often, um, for like our social jobs and stuff. It's, it's not about, you know, oh, that I want to get all this money out of the client or whatever. It's the fact that I'm not going to be able to be doing other jobs in the same category for an X amount of days or whatever. I mean, every project you say yes to means you're saying no to something else. Yeah. Like it means you don't have time to do other things at some point. I mean, yeah, if you're just getting started, it's not like that, but eventually, um, yeah, every day is worth something. So, right. 
Yeah, and even if that's your own business, I mean, whether it be updating your own site or putting mm-hmm. out, putting together um, work for yourself, there's there's always These something. Are all things mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's not like you know you're a freelancer and not you're not you're probably not working 365 days out of the year. Right. So it's not like oh, but you know it's people's availability and and things uh, time that you are making yourself available for right for opportunities. It's true. Do we miss anything, guys? Or did we solve freelancing? Oh yeah, we solved it for sure. No um, more questions. I had a, I had one more quick thing to add with what we were talking about before, as far as you know, getting started and stuff. I mean, when you when you start out, no matter what, I feel like everybody's a little bit of a generalist. They're gonna try out a a portrait of a somebody that's pregnant. They might you know just to, just to get their their sure. feet wet. And I think they should, even right. if it's not what they want right. in the long term. And assisting is always the the best thing I in the world. I wish I had done more. And then. Um, something that I've seen a lot of kids do these days is events, um, whether it be your, your, your airline, a brewery, mm-hmm. the city hall, um, events is a great way to make, you know, a couple hundred dollars an hour, three, four hours with a low pressure deliverable. Mm-hmm. And it gets you into the room with a lot of people that, um, that may hire you for something else. Yeah. And it gets you the practice at some of the most important skills about photography, uh, which aren't all technical it's social skills it's like talk to people learn and and make a business card like actual physical business card because you can tell somebody what your instagram account is and they will leave the room and forget it yeah because it's underscore 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 something yeah unless they put it in their phone right away but also you don't want to put people under you know an awkward situation where like okay well add me and then you're watching over their their shoulder it's like if you're giving somebody a business card then you're giving them the opportunity to discover Yeah, they're going to take their phone out of the pocket their pocket the next morning or whatever whenever it is they they get dressed and and be like oh Oh, yeah, it's right. Mikey D from the event, you yeah. know, uh, and, and the, that goes a long way. That, may, that might sit on their desk for a month. Maybe it's two seconds, but at the end, at the end of how much it costs, if, it's, if you get one job, um, it's generally worth at least twice the amount of a set of cards that'll last you for three years. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I'm still digging on cards that we've ordered. <laughs> yeah. Finding yeah. them in old pockets. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. I think, uh, I think there was a lot that we covered there, and... I promise the next episode will come soon. And hopefully next time that I've got three people here, we'll have matching microphones. I'll try to I'll try to remedy that so it looks better and sounds better. You'll try try to talk to your accountant? Yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> that's it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. 